Just keep these lyrics in your heart and in your mind. He's my champion. I have the victory through Jesus. I have the breakthrough through Jesus. I have hope because of Jesus. Thank you, sir. I have life and life more abundantly because of Jesus. Woo! Thank you. Life and life more abundantly because of Jesus. Amen. No, don't get, don't get too seated. You can stand to me. Stand with me. We don't. If you grew up Catholic, this was no problem for you anyway. Up and down. Come on. Stand your feet with me. Let's, let's wanna, I want to have you stand just for the reading of the word, and then I'll let you be seated. But stand your feet with me here today. Can I get some touch more here, sir? What I want to do here is I want to read from Mark 11. I'm going I'm to kind of start here. Here's what I want to show you. We're coming up on what is known as Easter and, and Holy Week. I know we've still got a, a couple weeks out, but just just like anything in life, before you know it, there it is. <laughs> it, it just arrives. And during this 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 Kingdom series, I felt like the Lord just wanted me to kind of pull back just for a moment and make sure that you aren't leaving this place still muted. Pastor Bethel said it could be so dumb because of your shame. So let me show you something real quick because during Holy Week, Jesus does something that is crazy. I don't know how much Bible you, you, you read, but Jesus did some crazy things sometimes. But in this crazy moment, what he's revealing to us is his true nature is, I'm the champion. Check this out, check this out. The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. I know somebody's feeling that way right now. Come on, amen. Uh, that's not my stomach, Pastor. That's me deep groaning in prayer to God. Jesus was hungry, and he noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. Okay, so it's, a, it's in leaf. It must be in season. So he went over to it to see if he could find any figs, but there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Now check this out. Then Jesus said to the tree, here's where it gets crazy, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say this. Verse 20 tells us this, the next morning as they passed by the fig tree that he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Someone say, take that jump. Yeah, take that jump. This is crazy. What, what is happening here? This is Jesus revealing to us his nature. He is champion over all things. Okay? I'll explain in a minute, but if you believe he's champ in your life, come on and put your hands together and let every chump know I've got a champion. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. <clears throat> the reason I wanted to start here is because in the sports world, it's, it's kind of known as, as championship time. Anybody already fill out your bracket? Anybody fill out your bracket? You, you know exactly. Yeah, you fill, yeah, got those brackets filled out. Amen. All right. Lizzie's got Duke going all the way. I know how it goes. Yeah, all the way. And I'm a UNC fan, so it's, it's bad for me. But it's championship time. And, and, and I was noticing around the sports world, not only we refer to this time as March Madness because of the NCAA championship tournament, but you've also got what's called the Players' Championship. Any, any golf fans in the house? Anybody, anybody watch golf at least to take a nap? Amen. Okay. Yeah. You got the Players' Championship happening right now. You, you've also got um, no, what's known as, as the World Baseball Classic. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm a baseball fan. I, I love baseball. This is pretty cool to watch the World Baseball Classic happening around. So we've got all these different championships happening. But my mind couldn't help but go to a, a war that was happening that started about four years ago. It was known as the Chicken Wars. You all remember the Chicken Wars? 
the, the chicken wars. Tiana, give, give, him that, uh, give him that image real quick of, of, of the chicken wars. You, you remember what the chicken wars are, right? Okay. Come on, somebody. Come on. You remember this debate? You remember this argument? You remember how you got in your flesh over what was better? All right. Should, should we take a poll in, in the room here today to, just to kind of find out? Is it, is it Popeye's or is it that Holy Ghost place called Chick-fil-A? What, what is it? I mean, I, I, I mean, you have your opinion, right? You, you have your thought on this. You, you, you have, and it really, let's be honest, it doesn't matter what I suggest to you today. It doesn't matter if I suggest that Chick-fil-A is better because you have to taste and see for yourself. It doesn't matter if I suggest that, that my iPhone is better than your Android because you have to taste and see for yourself. It doesn't matter if I suggest to you that the White Sox are always going to be better than your Cubbies. It doesn't matter because you have to taste. It doesn't matter if I say to you Jesus is better than anything else you've ever tried before because you don't know until you taste and see. And so the Bible says it like this. The psalmist says it like this in Psalms 34. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I just want to tell somebody here today, there are a lot of knockoffs and imitations out there. And Satan, he can mimic and he can counterfeit some of the things that God does. But he can never treat you the way that God does. Somebody testify in this place. I have tasted and I have seen, I have discovered that God is good. Even the very things that, that we are, even in this moment, struggling with, dealing with your sin is nothing more than counterfeit. It's imitation of the goodness that God wants to give to your life. And I pray here today, in spite of the fact that you lost an hour of sleep, I pray that you will help me in this service. Let anything else know, Jesus is better. He is better. It's championship time. And I say that because in this whole series, what we've been attempting to do is, is to help you to not be king dumb. That's been the effort of, of this series. Don't be king dumb. What I notice here in this initial text that we were reading is that there's something symbolic that we see in scripture about the fig leaves. Jesus walks up on this fig tree and sees the, the leaves are in bloom, but it's producing nothing. And so biblically speaking, whenever you see the fig leaves, what you're seeing is a symbol. It's symbolic of really what it is, is man-made religion, self-righteousness, symbolic of I can, I can earn my own salvation. I, 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 can, I can get there myself. Uh, if you're taking notes, I just want you to write this down. I don't have anything but scripture for you on the screen today because as you can see, the stage is going to be used for other things in the next couple of weeks. And so what we had to do is we had to make sure that we could still give you the truth and do our best to present uh, our praise and worship unto God in spite of the fact that this facility is used for multiple reasons. But here we are today using it for this reason, to hear the truth of God's word. So write this down, write this down, take notes. The kingdom is not religion. The kingdom is not religion. I, I, I want to make sense of this because some of you grew up and very religious backgrounds. I don't consider myself to be a religious man at all. Okay? Maybe you didn't know this. I consider myself to be one who has a relationship with God, but I'm not religious. Okay? Here's what religion really is by its definition. It is your attempt, man's attempt, to reach God. Religion by its very definition is your attempt, man's attempt, to not only reach God, but to appease God. And how do I appease him? What can I do for you, God? 
What, what, what do you need me to do? If I can do things for you, maybe I'll reach you. If I can do something for you, maybe I'll appease you. And that's why some of us, if I, if, I, if I don't just lift my hands like this, but if I lift my hands like this, you know, maybe it'll, oh, please God, if I, don't, if I don't just give when I feel like it, but if I start to give on a, on a consistent basis, maybe it will appease God. If, 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 if I don't just sit there and just sing, but if I throw a little spin in there, and, and maybe if I can outshout Miss Autumn, maybe I can uh, uh, appease God, or, or Maybe if I, if maybe if I, I don't, I, I could just start to pray in tongues, and if I do it for like five hours until I'm sweaty and, and I've got nothing left to say, maybe that will appease God. Maybe, how about this? Maybe if I just turn the other cheek, even though I really just want to hit him back, maybe I can reach God by what I do. Maybe I can appease God by by what I do. What I'm learning in this series is that many of you are coming to a place of realization. You're saying, I don't want to be kingdom. <laughs> so if I don't want to be dumb, what do I have to do? And what you're doing by very definition is you are telling me you have religion. I'm trying to teach you kingdom. What, 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 what must I do? What must I do? This, this is all that religion does. All that religion does is make you do. Those of you who grew up in, in maybe more liturgical or conservative Christian backgrounds, it was always about what must I do. Those of you who grew up Catholics, if it isn't do this, it's, it's, it's do that. For those of you who maybe had Hindu or, or Muslim backgrounds or, or those of you who, who, who were raised maybe either uh, Judas or, or Jews or maybe, maybe you just raised as an atheist. Okay. The bottom line is it always comes down to what do I have to do? And I want you to know the kingdom is different. Jesus said it like this in John, or excuse me, Luke 17, 21. He said the kingdom of God is where? It's in what I do? It's in my efforts, it's in my, my attempts, it's, it, 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 it's, it, it's, in, it's in my ability. The kingdom is in it's already with, it's within you. So when religion says, do this, the kingdom says, just be this. I want to speak to somebody here today who realizes, ladies and gentlemen, I have the kingdom already within me. Would you kindly just poke somebody next to you and just let them know, you don't have to do anything. The kingdom is within you. It's already there. It's within me. But here comes this battle. This constant battle between religion and kingdom. And maybe you don't know this, but historically speaking, the battle between religion and kingdom actually started all the way back in the beginning. In the Garden of Eden. What we see is this, is this exchange that I want to just kind of break down just for a few minutes. But before we get to this exchange between the, the serpent and, and Eve, this battle between kingdom and religion, we hear God make this declaration in Genesis chapter 2. He says, you are free. Look at your neighbor, just tell him real quick, you are free. You are free. Woo, hallelujah. As Pastor Olga told us last week, I am free to do whatever I want to do. All things are permissible, but that doesn't mean all things are beneficial. But I'm free. From the very beginning, the first thing that God tells Adam is you are are free so you can eat from any tree in the garden however you must not eat from the tree 
of the knowledge of good and evil. See, you have permission to do it, but it isn't going to be beneficial. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Huh. Okay. So here's what we usually get hung up on. We get hung up on that second half, what I can't do. Can I, can I just tell you real quick, this very first commandment from God was not about limitation. This is about liberation. You have the freedom. This is one thing you can't do, but everything else. Look at everything else that you can do. And I just want to know, is there somebody in this place that could just help me celebrate the God who has freely given all kinds of good things to his children? You are free. I need you to get caught up in all the things you have access to, all the power and love and joy and peace and anointing and authority that you have available to you. Get caught up in what you do have. Because in spite of all of God's provision, what happens? Isn't it just like the enemy to show up and suggest God's withholding something that you want, something that you think you need? My God. Those of you who are watching online that are still with me, firstly, I pray that you're enjoying your pajamas. Secondly, I want to say this to you. Don't let the enemy convince you in any form or fashion that God is withholding something good from your life. Don't let him convince you that it's, it's better to stay out of his presence and just get, grab glimpses of it through your television or through your cell phone. God is wanting you to know that he's got better right here in his presence. And I just want everybody, whether you're online or not, to put your hands together and thank God for the opportunity and privilege to be where he is. Amen. Let's go to Genesis 3. Because God has provided so much. But here comes the enemy. You are free, is what God says. And here's what the enemy does. Okay, let's talk about what God says. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that God had made. And he says to Eve, he says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? If you're here a few weeks ago, I, I couldn't help but, but harp on this because I think we all can agree that most of our wrong choices are the result of wrongly answering this question. Did God really say did, you've made wrong choices? Did God really say you can't sleep around and you've made wrong choices. Did, did God really say that, that you, you, you can't tell small lies and then, then we've, we've done it and, 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 and we realize we, we have the freedom to make that choice, but in the end, I've, I've made the wrong choice. And how, how about this? Maybe just maybe, did, did God really say that you need to be in my house and, and in my presence and not skip out on assembling together as somewhere in the heaven? Did God really say that? And most of our wrong choices come from answering this question wrong. Did God really say that I have to forgive those who have wronged me? Did God really say that I, I have to give to God what is God's? Did God really say that I have to obey my parents? Did God really say that I have to watch what I eat? <laughs> Did God really say these things? And can I just help you today? Can I just help you real, real quick? Satan said to the woman, can I just help you? Stop having conversations with a snake. Just, just stop. Just stop talking of the enemy. See, the, the, the problem with this text right here, the, the, the critical part of this text isn't that many times we have wrong information because 
when Satan comes to Eve, notice he doesn't come to Adam because God, God gave Adam direct revelation. Okay? He gave it directly to Adam. God told Adam this. What we believe, at least what we see in Scripture, is that what Eve received was communicated revelation from Adam. She didn't hear it directly from God. So Satan's always going to come to those areas of your life where you don't have direct understanding. It's where somebody else has told me, and so I just have to do what somebody else has suggested. And I just want you to know, the problem here isn't necessarily the wrong information. The problem is the wrong conversation. Why are you talking to that snake? Why are you talking to that man? Why are you talking to that woman? Why are you talking yourself out of breakthrough? Why are you talking yourself out of blessing? Why are you talking yourself out of healing? Why are you having the wrong conversation? My God. We were singing this song a little bit ago. I don't mean to harp on this, but Chris and I were, were discussing how so much of the American church hates that bridge section of the champion song. How dare you say that when I open up my mouth, miracles break out? How dare you tell me that, that, I, that, that when I begin to declare things, that, that things begin to change? How dare you suggest to me that I'm commanding God to do anything? I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm suggesting that you grab hold of every one of his promises and you speak those things and believe those things and then receive what he's already promised you. That's all I'm suggesting. Uh, in no form or fashion am I telling you you can command God to do anything. He's God. But you can command his promises according to his word and believe in faith. I don't ask a devil to leave. I command it in Jesus' name. That's how it works. I don't ask sickness. If you don't mind, would you please leave me alone? I command it in the name of Jesus. It's not my authority. It's his authority. I just got off of my soapbox and on my tangent just to simply say all this. Have you talked yourself out of what God has promised is already yours? And maybe it's because you're, just, you're talking to the wrong person. Stop having conversations with the serpent. Look what happens ultimately. Because of this conversation, verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, oh my God, isn't this just like us? Something that looks appealing, that, that this looks amazing and desirable. And I, and I want it. I, I want it. Even though God told me, no, I, I want it. It was desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and, and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her, and, and he ate it. I don't have time to harp on this, but I want you to recognize the, the divine power of divine revelation. Nothing happened when Eve took a bite. Nothing. Nothing changed. She turned to the one that had direct information from God, the one who knew what not to do. And the moment he took a bite. So stop blaming the woman. Hello, everybody. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hello. I, I got a feeling when we get to heaven, there's going to be this long line standing by Adam. And he's going to be like, my bad. My bad. My bad. When he took a bite, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were but naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
and they hid themselves from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to Adam. He said, where are you? And Adam answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I want you to see the irony in all this. How are you going to hide from the God who sees all, knows all, and is everywhere at all times? And yet here they are hiding because they're afraid. But I want you to see the compassion of your God because he calls out, even in your sin and shame, and he says, where are you? I've shared this over the course of this series that I... I, I, I don't realize how much I miss the days of playing hide-and-go-seek with my kids until I realize the only time they're hiding from me is when they're just in the rooms because they don't want to see me anymore, right? If you don't have teenagers yet, you'll, you'll, you'll learn. Your kids love you now. Wait till they become teenagers, and they just want nothing to do with you. It's just like, yeah, until they need something. Come on, I should clarify. Come on, amen, amen, okay, until they need something. But I miss those days of hide-and-go-seek because one of my most favorite things about hide-and-go-seek is how gullible my kids were. Okay, they could never find me, so what I would do is I would suggest certain hiding spots, right? I'd suggest, go and hide right over there. It's a really good hiding spot. And then I'd close my eyes, and I'd do the countdown, right? And then guess where I would find them? Exactly where I suggested. Can I tell you that's just what it's like when you try to hide from God? He knows right where you are. He knows where you are hiding. And God doesn't ask a question because he wants information. God asks a question because he needs you to know, do you have an answer? It's not where are you, Adam. It's Adam, do you know where you are? Can I ask you today, can you locate yourself? Or you've been doing this, this church thing, this pretentious, fake thing for so long. You're hiding right here in plain sight. And you don't think anybody can see beyond the mask. God is asking you today, can you find yourself? Where are you? Where are you? But that's not the kicker. The next, the next question, I think, is, is really the source of our separation from God. Verse 11. And God said, who told you you were naked? Who, who, who told you that? Who, who suggested to you that you've done something wrong? Who, who told you that, 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 that now you're in, 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 a, in the wrong place? Who, who said you were naked? Because I didn't say it. I, I didn't tell you that. So the, here's what this question does. I need you to see what this question really does. Who told you you were naked? This question doesn't just expose us. This is the love of your God. This question also embraces us. Who told you you were unworthy? Who told you you were undesirable? Who told you that you couldn't be forgiven of your sin? Who told you that you were not more than a conqueror? Who told you that you were unattractive? Who told you that you were unworthy? Who told you that you were undeserving? Who told you that you will always be depressed? Who told you that you will always be anxious? Who told you that you will always be impoverished who told you that you will always be alone who told you that because it wasn't me this isn't just God exposing this is God embracing and helping us to see what wait wait I believed a lie I have believed a falsity somebody in this place here today maybe you don't know this but at this point in time I hope you catch this revelation you make Satan really nervous 
when you start challenging his propaganda. I mean, you, you, you make that guy nervous. I just want to prophesy to every child of God in this room right now. Child of God, I speak to your spirit right now, and I challenge your spirit to begin to challenge all the doubt Satan has put in your heart. I challenge your spirit to, to challenge all the dysfunction, all the labels, all the lies the enemy has put over your heart, and I challenge you right now to stop letting Satan control your destiny. Instead, surrender to the love of God, because if you don't surrender, he will force you into hiding, but I hear the voice voice of the Father right now calling out to you. Come out. Come out wherever you are. Somebody put your hands together and praise God. He knows right where you're hiding. And he's not going to leave you there. Come out. Come on. Now notice this. Notice this. Adam and Eve's first reaction to, to their sin and their shame was you got that for me, Derek? They, they, they manufactured they manufactured a cover-up. Now, this is, this is as, thank you, sir. This is as lewd as I'm going to get. Hello, somebody. <laughs> this is how they reacted to their shame. They manufacture a cover-up. All right. Not really working very well. Just like in your life. When you're in your sin, you're shaming. You think you can find some way to cover it up. Listen to me. If you're caught up in an affair, stop trying to cover it up. You're going to get exposed eventually. If you are caught up in lying and cheating and manipulating, you're going to get exposed eventually. I just came to speak truth to you today. I'm trying to keep you in God's perfect will. They manufactured a cover-up. Because here's why. Think about, think about how this all started, right? Back in, in Genesis 2, right before their mistake, the Bible tells us the man and his wife were naked and they were not ashamed. How is it you could be naked and not ashamed? I don't know, Pastor, tell me. I'm not going to demonstrate it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says. You can be naked and unashamed because you are made in the image and likeness Not just the image, but the likeness. That means that Adam looked like his heavenly father. So what does God look like? Let, let me help you understand what God looks like. Psalms 104 verse 1. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. O the Lord my God, you are very great. Here it is. Here's his likeness. You are clothed with honor and majesty. Adam looked like his father. He wraps or covers himself in light as a garment. So when I tell you that Adam looked like his daddy, what I'm trying to tell you is Adam was clothed with honor and majesty. He was covered with light. What did I tell you light means? Light represents truth. So Adam was covered by the truth of who he was as a child of the Most High God. He was covered in radiant light, just like his daddy. But then we know what happened. How does Adam lose his covering? Because he buys into the deception of Satan. And then he ultimately surrenders his obedience. If there's, if there's anything you get out of this message, just get this. Don't listen to the deception. And don't become disobedient. 
if you don't want to be king dumb, don't listen to deception and don't surrender to disobedience. Bottom line. That's the gist of this message here today. Because now Adam finds himself naked and ashamed. And what does he use to cover the shame? Fig leaves. He takes leaves from the fig tree and tries to cover his shame. Westerners in the house. Westerners in the house. That's us. We're all Westerners, right? Unless you were born somewhere in the East. And I don't know if there's anybody, but most of us, for the most part, we're Westerners. We're born in the West. So when we hear the story of, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, our minds kind of go to probably our, our most famous fruit. And the most famous fruit in America is apples, right? Come on. We, 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 see, we, see, we tend to see like every image of Adam and Eve taking a bite of something, the fruit looks like an apple. But in ancient Jewish tradition, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a fig tree. It has even been suggested that the figs that Adam and Eve used, or the leaves that used to cover their shame, came straight from that tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So they, so literally what they were doing is they were trying to hide their shame from the same thing that caused their... I just want to help somebody here today, just for a moment. Listen to me. The thing that caused your shame cannot cover your shame. You need to stay away from it because it won't cover you. It just continues to create more shame. So I got some good news here today because the thing that, that caused your shame can't cover your shame, but God has a response to that shame. In Genesis 3, 21, if you keep reading this story, here's what happens. The Lord made garments out of the skin of animals. And Adam and his wife were covered and clothed. What God does is he clothes their nakedness. And in clothing their nakedness, what God is doing is he's actually foreshadowing how he's going to permanently cover our sin. Adam and Eve hide behind a tree, naked and covered in shame. But 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus hangs on a tree, naked and completely shamed. But in that moment of his nakedness, he begins to completely conquer our shame. What I'm trying to tell you is just simply this. The tree that exposed Jesus to the humiliation of nakedness is the same tree where you and I can experience the glory of being covered by the love and grace and blood of the Most High God. It's the cross of Jesus. It's a different tree that becomes the great reversal in my life. When we started this whole series, we were quoting from Colossians chapter 1, and it reads this way. God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his dear son. And how did he do this? He did this by purchasing our freedom with his blood and forgiving our sins. I don't know where you come from in your religious background, but if you have the revelation that you could not cover your own sin and shame, but Jesus paid it all and his blood is more than enough to cover everything you've done wrong, everything you're currently doing, and everything you might do one day. Put your hands together and praise this God because I realize I've got the revelation. He's got me covered. Let me close with this. 
let me go all the way back to where we started in Mark 11. Back to that fig tree. Jesus shows up that morning looking for something to eat. Now, I need you to know on the surface what this looks like is that Jesus got hangry with this tree because it wasn't producing anything. But it wasn't in season, Jesus. Huh. That's only if you look at it on the surface. But if you look deeper, you begin to see, when did Jesus curse this thing? Oh, he cursed this thing right before he went to lay down his life on a different tree. Okay. Okay. When he curses this tree and he says, may no one ever eat your fruit again. What Jesus is doing is he is forewarning that he is about to defeat the oldest curse. I'm speaking to this tree. And I'm speaking a curse to this thing. But what I'm doing, it's, it's, it's a foreshadowing. It's a foreboding. It's a harbinger. It isn't just this tree I'm cursing. I'm letting the oldest thing know. I'm going to curse the curse at its roots. I'm going to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And I'm going to curse the very thing that Adam tried to use. To this is what... Paul caught this revelation in Galatians chapter 3. He, he said this, God, or Jesus Christ, redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. You need to know the reason he cursed that fig tree was because he was becoming a curse to curse every curse that has been on your life. So that fig tree Jesus cursed ultimately is this, it is a symbolic of the victory Jesus will have over every single curse that tries to come against your life. Somebody remind the person next to you right now, Jesus has broken every curse. He has broken every curse. If he can break the curse, then let him break your bad attitude. Let him break that addiction. Let him break that struggle. If he has broken every curse, then he can break the spirit of poverty if he has broken every curse that he can break the spirit of sexual immorality if he has broken every curse that he can break depression and anxiety and worry and fear if he's broken every curse then even in this place he can break the thing that's trying to keep you from God the curse called religion I have to do something Otherwise, pastor's going to yell at me. If he can break every curse, then he can even break that spirit of religion that tries to rise up in your heart and tell you, I have to be a human doing. No, no, no. The kingdom is within you. You are a human being. 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 And this is how I learned to deal with shame. I don't manufacture a cover-up doesn't work anyway come on somebody how many of you tried to lie and then you got exposed and then and now, now you're trying to remember what you said and then you can't remember it all that happened and and then it just gets worse and now it's lie upon lie problem upon problem, problem and you're just like shoot it's probably gone a lot better had I just told the truth up front instead of trying to manufacture a, a cover-up so pastor if I don't manufacture a cover-up how, how do I deal with my shame do the same thing Adam did do the same thing that God did with Adam. 
Where are you? Where are you? I need you to know this because I've learned this firsthand. Sin and shame can't be hidden. It has to be exposed by light. I don't mean expose you to create more shame. I mean expose your sin to the truth of God's word. I mean expose your shame to the truth of what God said you really are. Because if I don't start believing what God says I am, I'm going to continue to believe what Satan says I am. And every label he's put on my mind and on my life, I'm going to continue to just adopt and accept and say this is just who I am. But you have a champion who defeated shame, defeated sin. And he hung there on a cross, completely exposed in humiliation, so that you could be completely covered by his love and grace. Ephesians 5, and I close with this. For of this you can be sure. No immoral or impure or even greedy person. That kind of person is an idolater anyway. Whew. Man, you know what? This hits hard. And I, I, I don't mean to, to camp here for just a moment, but for those of you who have been robbing God, you're greedy. You're greedy. Your money's become your idol. Instead of putting God first where he belongs, and you know he belongs, and not because I say so, because he said so, you're greedy. You've become an idolater. This kind of people, be sure, be sure of this, be sure of this, has, do they have any kind of inheritance of the kingdom of God? No. No, you have no inheritance. You're just being king dumb. Every one of you continue to live immoral and impure and, and act greedy. You're being king. Now you're shutting me out. Now I'd be even more dumb. <laughs> Pastor, I thought, no shame here. I'm trying to expose it with light. All I'm doing is reading you the scriptures. Don't be greedy. Don't be immoral. Don't, don't be impure. And miss out on the inheritance of the kingdom of God. So let no one deceive you with empty words. That's what the serpent does. He's always going to give you empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light. Whew. Once I was naked and ashamed, but now I walk in light. I am the light of the world. So live as children of the light. And Paul just finishes. I just want to finish at verse 14. He says, awake, oh you sleep. I didn't realize how quickly some of you can go from, it's my goat year to. <laughs> oh, amen. When I, I get you once a week. I, I get to speak hope and, and truth to you once a week. The next six days, you've got to speak it to yourself and tell yourself, wake up, wake up, come alive, come alive, arise from the dead, and Christ will give me lights. Here's what this, here's what this is letting us know. One day very soon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 
back to God, my creator. But I'm not going to go back to the shame and nakedness of Eden. I'm going to go back to my champion because my champion has clothed me with honor and glory and majesty. He has clothed me in truth and righteousness. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what you are waiting for, but let today be the day God shines lights on the area you've been hiding. And let today be the day that truth begins to minister and reveal and restore you from the shame of your past. Let today be the day where you let the enemy know, no more kingdom for me. I'm going to walk in the light of his kingdom. This is what I've been destined to do. Stand your feet with me. All over this room, stand your feet with me. I got one minute. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you today for truth. Come on, someone just help me thank him for truth. Don't talk to your neighbor right now. Talk, talk to God. Thank you, Lord, for truth. Thank you, Lord, for truth. If you are physically able, stand your feet right now. If you're physically able, stand your feet right now. I can't sit and hide. I can't stand and hide. I can't run to an altar and hide. I can't stand on the stage and hide. He's a God of truth, so he reveals all things. And you need to know there's nothing beyond his knowledge. He knows what's in your heart. He he knows why you resist him. He knows why you refuse to accept his truth. He knows why you deny him. He knows. You, you can't hide. But there's this embrace from God today that is telling you, whatever's kept you hidden, come into the light. Come into the light. I say this today because I recognize there's such a short time frame on our walk here on earth. And I just want to tell you that you've spent too many months, too many years, too many decades hiding when he's a God of truth. And he's, he knows what you've been the entire time. What he's wanting to do today is to pull you from that darkness into his marvelous light. If you're ready to tell the enemy, I'm no more hiding. If you're ready to, to live in freedom the way you were created to, can you just throw up your hands right now in this place with me? Let's embrace this first promise from God. I am free. Declare that right now. I am free. I am free from shame. I am free from my past. I am free from my struggles. I am free from depression. I am free from sickness. I am free from power. I am free from the power of the enemy. I am free, free to live for Christ, free to do what I'm called to do. I am free to fulfill my destiny. I am free to fulfill my purpose. I am free to walk with the Father. I am free to see his glory in my life. I am free. I am free. I'm trying to teach you to to start speaking truth to the areas of darkness in your life. You've got to speak light. 
to darkness. You have to keep exposing darkness. I am healed. I'm not sick. I am healed. I'm not depressed. I am whole. I'm not anxious. I have peace. I'm not overwhelmed and weighed down. I've got God who lifts me up, exalts me, and causes me to be seated in heavenly places. I am who he says I am. With our hands raised right now, we are making this truth known to the areas of darkness where we're still trying to hide. Oh God, thank you for your loving embrace that says, where are you? Where are you? Where are you, Devin? Where are you, Kristen? Where are you, Kenny? Where are you, Pastor Bethel? Where are you, Abdiel? Where are you, David? This is the love of your God. He's always calling you out. Not because he can't find you. He wants you to discover how long you've been hiding and how you don't have to stay there any longer. Come out from among them. Come out and be separate. Come out and surrender. Come out and live in the light. Come out and walk in truth. Come out. Come out. Come out. Whoever this is for right now, Heavenly Father, you are literally removing the self-righteousness, the, the, the self-salvation, the attempt I've made to try to act like I'm holy when all I've done is manufacture a cheap cover-up. And it won't last. It won't last. We all know how this works. You pull the leaves from the vine. You pull the leaves from the branches, eventually they wither and die. So the cover-up might work for a moment, but it won't last. And this is what God is trying to show you here today. <laughs> that thing you try to use to cover up has died a long time ago. And I can already see it all anyway, so you might as well come into the light and let me liberate you and set you free.